Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. a friend, uh, a friend of mine on up, uh, Lila Schleyer. Um, Lila, would, would you mind coming on up? Um, if you have not met this woman, you need to sit down and talk with her. Uh, man alive, she is amazing. And uh, I, I was thinking about her a couple weeks ago, um, back there when I was praying and I thought of, of Luma. Um, and so... It's not the most comfortable chair. I'm really sorry, but it is about your height. So um, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that we could. <laughs> yes. All right. So right here. That's why they ain't going to hear you. Right here. You good? Right here. Oh, man, she's got it. She's a quick learner. <laughs> um, well, Lila, I. If you need me to hold anything, I'd be glad to hold something for you, if that's okay. Um, but uh, I, I, I asked Lila, I, I think, what, a week ago? I think it was last week. Two asked weeks ago. Two weeks ago, if, if you would, would share no, your story. It was last week. Uh, share a little of your story and a little bit of your journey. Um, you've had a long journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but in the last several years, you went through um, a really rough journey. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it, the journey started when you went for a dental appointment, of all things. Um, so can you can you share what happened that that day? Well, I woke up that morning. It was uh, January the fifteenth, two thousand eighteen, mm-hmm. and I was going for a routine cleaning. And uh, I got there that day. I was not feeling anything, and. Uh, the dental hygienist uh, said, you know how to open your mouth, and, or you open your mouth, and they <laughs> look in there and, and uh, look around before they start doing anything. So she looked in, and she zoomed out of the room. And I thought, hmm, I wonder what this is about. And she, she went to get uh, the dentist, and uh, they came in, and they saw something suspicious. And... Uh, there was a spot that was on my gum, and I had—I didn't know it was there. And so they uh, decided that we would uh, watch for six weeks and, and see if what they saw would clear up. And so in six weeks, I went back, and it hadn't cleared up. And so they sent me to a oral surgeon in Lima, and uh, of course I had to wait six weeks to get in there. And so I got in there, and that was just for consultation. But 
to make a long story short, uh, they uh, scheduled a biopsy, and I had a biopsy then in May of 2018. And I went back the next week, and they told me that it was a small cell tumor. And at that time, it was about a stage nine. But it was uh, very aggressive. And uh, they, uh, the dental surgeon was wonderful. He was, I said, the Lord has put people in front to take care of me all the way. He had already sent all of my x-rays, all of my information, and everything to the James and to my wife. I, he had picked out a wonderful surgeon, a doctor, and uh, he did everything. And uh, when I got there, uh, they told me, uh, at that time it was almost a four, and that uh, they were going to remove a portion of my palate. And and so on the 17th of July, 2018, I underwent surgery that was to be five hours. It turned out to be seven and a half. During that time, they found that the cancer was so aggressive that it had started up toward my eye on the inside, and that turned my nose. And I ended up, that's why it took seven and a half hours, because uh, they had to be screened out. So uh, the doctor said I came through it better than some 25-year-olds. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I credit the Lord with everything. He just gave me such wonderful Thirty of cancer uh, radiation treatment, and on October the tenth of uh, two thousand and eighteen, I landed back. <laughs> Congratulations! So, yeah. yeah, that should be celebrated, right? So, Lila, you you shared with me that when you first were diagnosed. You went home and had a peaceful sleep. I certainly did. And there were people in your life that couldn't believe that you had a you had just had this life altering diagnosis and you had a peaceful sleep. And most people I would react in such a way that I would just be torn up on the inside. What can you explain that? Can you can you share a little bit about your heart through this whole journey? And that attitude, that mindset, um, that heart, that he'll either heal me here or he'll heal me there. Um, you walked with that attitude the whole way through. Um, well, there were a couple things that, there were several things that I noticed about you in your journey. And uh, one, that 
the faith that you had in the Lord and you still have in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, literally carried you through. Um, can you, can, and I, I'm mindful of many of the folks that are here that uh, have just started their faith journey with Jesus in the last couple of years. Can you kind of share a little bit about that? What that really meant? What does that mean in, in the rough time of life? <laughs> Hard question. Can you go to the Lord? You know, you, you, I just can't hardly put it in words. You know, uh, you just have to, you just have to uh, put your life in His hands. I mean, not only is there rest, you need to have your life in His hands every day. You know. Tell what you want. thing that, that I noticed about you that it was about this body of Christ. Um, two things. One, um, that you you knew without a shadow of a doubt that these people were praying for you. Yes. And the other aspect was you longed, and, and it speaks to this day, you longed to be with this group of people mm-hmm. called Wapak Mavs. Yes. Can you share a little bit about that? sidewalks.
and sue and cancel me had to get hold of my own issue. Don't be mad at me. But I wanted to see those people get baptized. Yeah. And I was so fearful of water. I had more fear of water than I did of having the surgery. And so... something that I, I felt I was not able to do. But praise the Lord. On the 4th of July, 2019, I <laughs> That is awesome. That is amazing. And during that whole time, uh, you longed to be here. That, that story just exemplifies the fact that you long to be with your family, your church family, your faith family. I will never forget the morning that I came in. I was able to, to get here. I had been through the radiation, and I had to wear a mask when I came in. And this guy happened to look up and see me back there, and his voice cracked. I know you didn't realize it. But you look back there and your voice cracks from the I was going through puberty, Lila. Come on now. That <laughs> 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 hasn't worked yet. I, yeah. I was uh, so stoked and excited to see you there. Absolutely. Um, Lila, you Basically, your life um, literally could be gone the next day. Um, it means a lot to me uh, in this moment and in this time as well. As you know, I, I just spoke with my sister yesterday, going through her treatment, and um, you know, her her attitude um, is really what pulls her through. Her attitude and her faith in Christ is what's pulling her through um, through every treatment. I imagine with, with all the radiation you experienced, you had, what, 30 treatments. Um, it's, it's Jesus who walked with you um, through the fire. And so I, I want to say thank you for um, being willing to share your story. And, and I guarantee you, if you said, Lila, I want to I listen to you, um, she's willing to take a free meal and talk your ear off. Um, all she needs to do is be invited. And she Soft it. foods only. Soft foods only. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, as of yet. As of yet, there, you're one day. One day they say I can have a piece of hamburger. One day. You know who needs to make that, don't you? You. Steve Luma. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Luma. Yeah, he needs to make that for you. Um, I, I'd like to pray. Pray uh, along with me and pray for our friend, Lila. Father, we uh, 
just take it out. And I thank you for this moment that we heard the faith of a woman that walked through the fire uh, in life. Thank you for Lila. I, I praise you that she is alive and well and her sense of humor um, goes before her as you go before her um, and that her faith is its very evident in her life. It doesn't take long to tell that Jesus, you're all over her. her up and, and ask that you continue to encourage, strengthen her heart and her faith. And I know that this isn't the end of the road for her, but there's still some journey that's left to walk, um, some surgeries that she's still going to have to ha- has to have. And Lord, I ask that as uh, she has said, that you are with her, that you will not leave her nor forsake her, but you also go before her. She knows that her heart is in your hands. And may that be the case for all of us today. That our heart and our life is in your hands. Lord Jesus, we trust you. And we love you. And it's in your name that we ask today. Thank you. Amen. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You, <laughs> don't... Don't oaf me. <laughs> oh wow. Yes, this is this is a moment that, that I, I think deserves that. Um, you know we don't often do this, right? We, we we've done it once already in the past couple months, but we don't often do this. And so you that are here, um, we ask that you give the highest honor that we can give here at Wapak Mines. And that is the one class. And uh, if you're not familiar with one clap, it's one, two, three, clap. There's no more applause that diminishes the one clap. So um, if you would please stand. And we are going to give, no, you can sit right down because you're the one being honored. You're the one being honored. We'd love to give you the one clap. Folks, you ready to do this? One, two, three. Ah, what a sound. Praise the Lord. Thank you very, very much, Lila. Uh, we love you. And I'd hug you, but in light of this whole thing, I love you. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Lila. Hopefully my voice won't crack any longer. That the puberty is over in my 42 years of age. Man alive, if it's not, there's a problem. My goodness. So, good morning and and welcome. And uh, she brought me the, some tears. I need to wipe my nose. Oh, man. Well, if you would, uh, please open up your, your, your scripture, your Bible, pull out your phone, uh, whatever you have that is the Bible, please pull that out. And open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, We're going to be right where we were uh, last week uh, in our series called Forging the Edge. And uh, uh, this is kind of part two from last week. And we continue to get our edge back today. Um, It is about getting your edge back. And so uh, would you look at the person next to you 
and say, get your edge back today? Oh, come on. Look to the person next to you and say, get your edge back. Now, pick, look at the second choice uh, and say the same thing. The person that you didn't choose, say the same thing to the person you didn't choose. Get your edge back, right? Man, uh, is the edge of your faith, is the edge of your faith dull or notched? Does it need sharpened? Have you been suffocating under life circumstances and allowing them to determine your faith rather than your faith determining the life in, in you? Have you been using your faith? Have you allowed your faith to be worked and exercised and that it's kind of gotten a little dull? Folks, we need to get our edge back. And quite frankly, um, our country and our world needs to get its edge back. We do. Because with a sharp edge, you will be able to slash through the things that are coming after you. You will be able to slash through that fear. With a sharp edge, you will be able to do the work of the kingdom that we are called to do. We need that sharp edge. And in fact, um, I, I was looking at this, my knife, uh, on, on the desk today, and I did not realize that this protector says edge keeper. Um, but the simple fact is, with the kitchen knife, um, the edge, however much you try to protect the edge, the edge gets dull when you use it. But here's the, simple, here's the fact. This is a steel in my left hand and my kitchen knife in my right hand, and I'm still learning how to use my steel. But the fact is, to sharpen the knife, you put the edge of the knife on the steel, and you pull it from the back end to the front end of your knife. In order for this knife to get sharpened, you have to put two surfaces together. There has to be friction that occurs between the two surfaces. There has to be constant contact between the steel and the edge of the knife. Folks, that is the same with our faith. In order for your edge to get sharpened, you must be in constant contact with the Creator, the Lord God Almighty. You need to allow the friction between you and the Lord to happen. That is when the blade gets sharpened. When you are in constant contact with your Creator. When you allow the pressure and the friction to sharpen the edge of your faith. But oftentimes, we don't want the friction. Oftentimes, we don't want the pressure in our life. Folks, that's when the edge gets sharpened. And so, as we go through this series, cut my finger there. as we go through this series, we're looking at the life of a man that was a farmer turned prophet with audacious, ridiculous, crazy faith. And we pull lessons from his life and the choices that he makes. And we learn from those lessons, and those are the handles that we carry out of these doorways that will sharpen our faith if we allow them 
the new pressure and the friction in our life. And so, if you would, open, as I mentioned, open up to chapter 19, 1 Kings. Scriptures will be on the screens. Luke, or uh, not Luke, 1 Kings 19, verse 19. We pick up literally where we left off last week. So Elijah, this is not the guy we're talking about. Uh, Elijah was the prophet, the famous prophet that came to Elisha to anoint him. So Elijah, EJ, went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elisha or Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Heavenly Father, as we uh, allow the Scriptures to unpack us this morning, uh, Lord, we, we open our heart to you. And Lord, may the lessons that are out of this moment, this historical moment, apply to our life. Holy Spirit, will you do the work in us? May we allow you to do that work but we invite you to do it. And our hope is that our edge gets sharpened. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week we talked how Elijah had come and put his cloak around Elisha. And that cloak signifies this mantle, this message that as I am and as I do, God has called you to do and be. And we mentioned that Elijah, Elisha did not understand fully the call that God had on his life, but he obeyed immediately. And folks, we need to understand, we, understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. And so we pick up Elisha's life right in that moment. Because he pulled the reins on the oxen, he stopped what he was doing, and he ran. He ran after Elijah because he was offered something different than the life he was living in that moment. And he ran after the opportunity. And he said to Elijah, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I will come with you. Elijah's response was go back. What have I done to you? And quite frankly, I feel like for a lot of us, that's where the story ends. We go back. We just go back to what we know and the life we've already lived. But see, Elisha, he ran toward something. Have you ever noticed that running toward something and running away from something looks the same? Think about it for a second. 
running away from something and running toward something in your life. They both consist of fear. We often run away from those things that we are afraid of, that we are afraid to deal with, that we don't want to confront, that conflict of our soul, those moments of regret, those choices that we made. And we often run away from them because we are afraid to deal with them. But running towards something consists of the same amount of fear, unknown and uncertain of what will happen. But they both consist of risk as well. That if you run away from something, you're risking the gains that you could have in confronting whatever it is, in dealing with whatever it is. But if you run towards something, you're risking the loss of something. You're risking loss of friends. You're risking loss of finances. You're risking loss of security. You're risking there is a potential of loss, but the gain could be so much more. Running towards something and running away from something looks so similar that we often convince ourselves that we are running towards something when we're running away from it. I've got to ask you, are you running away from something, believing that you're running towards something in your life? But see the difference between the two. The difference between the two is jumps off this page today. The difference between running away from something and running towards something is courage. Courage. To step into the conflict, to step into the fear, to step into the unknown and the uncertainty. Elisha teaches us that in order for us to move forward, we have to step into the fear. We have to take courage. Matthew read from John, John 14 today, and I thought he was going to read John 14, verse 1. Take courage, my brothers. Do not be troubled in your hearts. That's where I thought he was going to go. I thought, man, that's perfect. But it, what he read was right on as well. You can't, you can't go wrong when you speak Jesus' words, right? I've got to ask you, are you running away and believing that you're running towards something in your life? Elijah's response is really kind of uncanny and subtle and kind of cryptic, if you will. Go back! What have I done to you? But really what Elijah is clarifying to Elisha is that you need to know it's not me that's calling you. You need to know it's not me that's, that's calling you to take courage and to step into the fear. You need to know it's not me that's asking you to go on this journey and to forsake the life that you're currently living. It's not me offering this new life. It's God who's offering 
the new life for you. So, what does Elisha do? He goes back. And these are where the principles that we need to focus on today come off the page. He goes back because he says, I want to kiss my mother and father goodbye. But it's really uncanny. Does the scripture even say that Elijah, Elisha kissed his mother or father goodbye? We can assume that he did. But it doesn't go into that at all. What does it say? It says, so Elisha left him and went back. And he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Folks, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. He struck a match to his life. He lit it on fire. Do you not find that kind of audacious and ridiculous in this moment? It's almost as if Elisha is on the verge of mentally insane and unstable. Because from a 2020 perspective, that makes no sense. Because why, Elisha, why wouldn't you sell the, the cows and sell the plows? You could get so much more out of them. You could get use out of them. Somebody else could use them, and you could get the money for them. See, that's the way my mind would operate. I want to get out of what I have as much as possible. And if I'm leaving it behind, I'm sure going to sell it. Let's eBay it, man. Put it on Facebook, Craigslist. Let's get some dollars in my pocket. This perspective doesn't make sense in 2020. But for the Hebrew and the Israelite, this makes complete sense. One, for Elisha, he knows that at the temple, this is mirrors the offering at the temple. This mirrors the honoring of God. He takes his lifestyle, cuts up the cows, kills the cows and cuts up the plows and burns them as an offering and a sacrifice in honor of God. But I think it runs much deeper than that. Killing the cows and burning the plows goes much further than just on that surface, that he's honoring God with this choice and with his lifestyle. I do need to ask, are you honoring God with your lifestyle? Are you honoring God with what is generating income in your life? A lot of us wonder, Man, my job has no meaning. You can't find the meaning in your job. But the fact is, you are the one that is to put meaning in your job. Right? And see, in this moment, we find that there is a depth of meaning for, for Elisha. But it goes beyond the honoring of the Lord. Because now Elisha is choosing a new life. He's taking on a new life and lifestyle. He's moving from prophet, from farmer to prophet. He's moving from stationary man living on the fields and in the home of his parents to this itinerant individual being mentored by Elijah. 
It's very significant and very parallel to our choice in choosing Christ in our life. Folks, we often wonder, God, why don't you use me to do these things? Folks, Elisha tells us that those that God uses the most are those that hold on to the least. This was his lifestyle. This was his livelihood. And in fact, with choosing this new life, this was plan B. The cows and the plows are plan B for Elisha. What if God doesn't come through? What if He doesn't pull me through this? What if it doesn't work out? I've got my cows. I've got my plows. I can go back to the way I was. And no one is the wiser. See, Peter, when he was called, when Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and Peter and his brother Andrew were fishing, and Jesus said, come follow me. It says in the Scripture that they left their nets and followed him. But the Scripture doesn't say Peter burned the nets and followed him. And you know what happened to Peter? After the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and after even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we find that Peter goes back to fishing. The nets were still available for Peter to use. They were still at the ready for him to go back to his old life. But Jesus has this conversation in John chapter 21. And it's a kill the cow, burn the plow conversation. And we find that Peter does kill the cow and burn the plow. Elisha, he doesn't allow himself to have a contingency plan. Because he understands that those God uses most are the ones that hold on to the least. When I was a youth leader, kind of the first like year or two, Big Don, our youth pastor, um, he told me a story of, of a young man. Um, I'll call him Sam, just to protect his name. But uh, he told me about Sam. When he first arrived, Sam was a, a son of a, a uh, staff member at the church. And actually, my life where I went to high school, I actually knew Sam pretty well. Some of the same bubble crowds that we ran that I ran with kind of overlapped. He was a lot younger than I was, but they overlapped. And these were the crowds that uh, you probably don't want to hang around with. Getting high and getting drunk. Those were the crowds. So when Big Don showed up at this church, Sam wanted nothing to do with Don. Nothing to do with Don. He didn't want anything to do with Don because he didn't want anything to do with Christ. He didn't want anything to do with church. He didn't want anything to do with God. But being a teenager, he was in Don's realm. So Big Don invited him 
to go out and grab some grubs sometime. And they went to B-dubs, got some wings. And the whole time, Sam thought Don would talk about Jesus, talk about Scripture, talk about sin, talk about church, talk about God. You know what Don talked about? Sports. That's all they talked about, sports. And Sam. Don asked all kinds of questions about Sam. Sam shared his life. When Sam got home and was asked, how did this go? How'd it go? I liked Don. It's pretty cool. Talked a lot about sports. Over time, we found that Sam actually started to come to youth group. Not for Don. Not for church. Play ball. I want to shoot hoops. He wanted to shoot hoops. That's all he wanted to do. But then he eventually sat down and listened to the words and the lessons that Don had, had been preaching. And Don and, and Sam got pretty close. And then Don just started calling Sam up. Hey, I need some help. You want to help out? Absolutely. One day, Sam received Christ. He gave his life over to Jesus. But his life was already starting to transform well before that, right? Don picked me up one day. He said, hey, man, you'll never believe it. I said, what's up? He said, uh, we were driving between the, the church and the school. He said, you know the dumpster over there at the school? I said, yeah. I was driving by that the other day. Guess who I saw? Who? Sam. You know what he was doing? No. Nah. He's throwing away all his CDs. Like, what? Why is he throwing away his CDs, man? Because I knew the music he listened to. He said, it's because all those CDs, all that music that he was listening to, those were the CDs and the, the groups and the music that he was listening to when he got high, when he got drunk, and when he partied with his friends. He needed to let go of that. God moved him in the direction of throwing those away and breaking it. Jonathan, Sam, so much for deception. <laughs> Sam, Sam killed the cows and burned the plows in his life. Because he knew that he could not bring the past into the future. He knew that he could not hold on to that past and move into the future. Because when we do that, when we hold on to the past and try to pull it into the future, our future becomes just that, the past. in order for us to move forward in our life. We have to kill the cows and burn the plows. We can't allow ourselves to have that contingency plan any longer. Because you cannot grab a hold of the future while holding on to the past. You cannot do it. And our past has a lot of flammable material 
regret, failure, hurt, abuse. The stories that you tell yourself, that you believe about yourself that are completely wrong. What those are doing, they're burning you up on the inside. When, quite frankly, that flammable material, if you just set it on fire, becomes an altar to the Lord. When you carry those things from the past and in the future, they actually aren't, they become weights and burdens on you. And it makes it a lot more difficult to walk forward. Amy and I, when when we were trying to figure out the next step in, in our life, I had already come here, and she was trying to figure it all out. And we came to the conclusion, we think we, think we need to, to do this coffee shop and this chocolate shop in our community. We had to come to a decision. We had to come to a point where we either go all in or we don't go in at all. In order for us to go all out, we had to go all in. And in that moment, sitting in a construction area where everything was apart, with our heater in the basement out, with our heater upstairs out, and our dryer out, we went all in by signing on the line so that at some point we could go all out. Folks, in order for you to go all out, you have to go all in. Are you all in? Elijah went all, Elisha went all in. He killed the plow, he killed the cows, burned the plows, and he didn't look back. He didn't have a contingency plan. He just stepped into it. And I ask you today, what cows and plows do you need to kill and burn? What material is flammable in your life that you need to strike that match and light it and walk forward from it? Would you please stand? Bow your head for just a moment. You know what that is. You know what what that is in your life. You know what material that is. You know what you're holding on to. That's becoming a burden and a weight in your life. I'd ask right now that you name it, whatever it is. You name it. You call it out. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, your phone's off, (laughs) will you name it right now? What is it?
light it on fire? What's been your contingency plan if God doesn't come through? Cut it up. Burn it up. Will you name it right now? Will you call it out for what it is? Heavenly Father, there are things that we hold on to in our life that hold us back. That become a weight and a burden in our life. And it becomes that internal narrative that we believe about ourselves. Today, I declare that we need to kill the cow and burn the plow. We need to set it on fire so that you can do the great things in our life. through us. If you're standing here and you're listening and you have flammable material that you have already called out today, that you've named it, will you please just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. 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 Amen. Father, for those that have raised their hand and they've declared it, give them the strength, the courage to light it on fire, to throw it in the dumpster so that they can go all in and be all out, Father. We love you, Jesus, because you're the one that went all in for us. You sacrificed your life. No one took it from you, but you surrendered it and you gave it up. That we may have life, eternal life and life abundantly today, here where heaven and earth can collide right where we are. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us get our edge back. And may we do the work, whatever you call us to, to get that edge back. May we be in constant connection contact with your surface that a blaze gets sharpened to be able to be used. Father, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your name that we pray today. Amen. A few things before you leave. Um, one, we're still having prayer service tonight, 5 o'clock. Two, um, joy boxes are available for your offering. And three, um, we are praying about the future in the next several weeks about what to do, and I'd ask to invite you that you uh, pray along with us because we got this, some decisions that we need to make. So would you please pray along with us? Hey, be love people, loving people to Jesus. Have a wonderful day. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future He has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.